Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Everybody, episode 37, Tell Me Where to Turn, uh, back after a bye week last week. We just needed we needed a little time off just to, to regroup and recharge a bit, but we are, all three of us are, are back. Um, and charged. Yeah, we're charged, and this time though, not able to get together in person, so we're using, using the miracle of cellular phone technology. So you will notice our chemistry and machismo level will be down to a normal 100% as opposed to the 130 it usually levels that out out at in our normal our normal episodes. And there'll be less laugh talking by Point Break Dave? Uh, probably so, because he's only looking like at himself. He can't see us reacting to, to his one-liners. That's a shame. It's a real shame. I know, but a circumstances occur and uh moving forward we'll try to be in the same room as as much as possible to to record these so um i guess when we do the 30 by 30 for 30 on tell me where to turn we can pull back the curtain into more detail about why this took place the way it did but for now we'll just be intentionally vague right glenn (laughs) what if i told you everyone in my house is sick all the time (laughs) So you wouldn't believe it, but no. it's true. Uh, so Twitter stuff, you can reach me as always at Glenn three underscore eleven. Uh, and you, you maybe would also deleting that Twitter account, which would also be covered in the thirty for thirty if things don't play out right in the next twenty four hours. That's. But otherwise, you can find me at Tommy two underscore zero. Yeah, and you can find me at Point Break underscore Dave. So Glenn, why don't we get things started out? And you can tell us about playing all 36 holes in oh. one day. Okay. So going back last episode, if everyone remembers, we briefly referenced the weekend bachelor trip that I was that I was headed to. Um, first off, this is the part where we don't have the visual of each other because I'm looking here at the, the desk I'm sitting at, recording at, and I'm asking myself the question, is it beaten that I'm sitting here with a glass of the finest Knob Creek and a bag of gummy bears. <laughs> is there is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. I, I, uh, I actually uh, I actually just made myself a delicious milkshake. Oh. What do you think? What do you think about that? Wow. Is there a scoop of whey protein in it? No. There's no whey protein in it. And I I think I very very confidently told you guys about an hour ago. I said, hey. I'm good to record whenever my kids are in bed. Well, when I fired off that blender, I hear one of them going, Dad, what's that noise? <laughs> uh, okay, so back to uh, bachelor party stuff. So first off, the, the 36 holes, God decided he was not going to allow that. There was rainy, windy, and fairly cold temperatures that rolled through Central Texas a couple of weekends ago. Meow. We were able, yeah, we were able. <laughs> thank you. We were able to get in all of about twelve holes. Could you could you have played thirty six if you'd have wanted to, or was the course asking you to vacate? Uh, 
no, we were okay staying out there. We were the only ones on the course. There was nine of us total. We weren't all playing in the same group, but there was nine of us total, and we were the only ones out there. And it was fine because it wasn't raining hard enough for us to do damage to the course or anything like that. But it was a constant sprinkle and drizzle of rain. It was about 50 degrees. And, you know, maybe five or six of the group came prepared with waterproof clothes. Um, I had like a pullover. Tell, th- tell me more about these waterproof clothes. Well, you know, things you would wear in the rain. Um, I feel like I'm playing the $25,000 pyramid. Um, uh, and I had like a pullover. I, I think we got an early front runner for episode title two, <laughs> episode 37, waterproof clothes. So I had like a pullover that was waterproof, but then I had shorts on. So that was an okay decision at like hole two. By the time we got to hole 10, I was not comfortable whatsoever. So golf, we only got 12 of, of the 36 in. So... But let, so did let, anybody in the bachelor party stay out and and go all thirty six or or you guys all touched them together and quit at the same time? Um, the man in charge who was who we were there, you know, to honor his impending uh, marriage the next week. Um, he made the decision that hole twelve will be our our last hole, and so we all agreed to that. And then when we all Tapped in, we gently touched tips and headed back to the to the rent house. So, so to but, the hot tub. Uh, let me go back to the beginning of the story and the in the trip down there. So, just a uh, general question for you two: Have you guys ever been traveling anywhere and you either a ran out of gas or you went in a, you were in a vehicle that ran out of gas? I have never run out of gas in a car that I was driving or managing but i have a story that um i can tell after years about running out of gas with my mother when i was a very young child and some very questionable parenting ideas she took to uh to rectify the situation well i'll make this i'll make this quick I've never run out of gas on the highway. I, I have run out of gas one time, but it was uh, a couple of blocks from where I was living and and in the grand scheme of things was a non-event. Okay, so I'm riding down there with a couple of the other guys that are attending the festivities and the guy who is is driving, so he's not like me, like... If I'm going on like a three, four hour drive somewhere, no matter how much gas is in is in the truck, I'm topping it off to full before we take off. This was not this well, guy's... because you're rich. Well, yeah. It's not this guy's uh, style to do so. So it's not like he was running on empty when we left, but he didn't have enough to get there. And then we're driving along, and we start to get a little bit low, and he kind of comments about it, but it's like, yeah, we got plenty of time. We'll go through a couple towns and we'll stop. Then, then the warning, the warning beep sounds where you're down to like your last twenty-five or thirty miles. And he's like, "Eh, I run this down to near empty all the time, so not to, not to worry." And then we get to we get to talking, and we're in a part of Central Texas where you could easily have twenty miles or more in between towns. So we're driving along, we're passing through this one town, 
and we're talking, and I, I like see out of the corner of my eye there's a, a gas station on the other side of the road, knowing that we've got to be running really low at this point. But we pass it, and I don't really it doesn't really register till we get a few more miles down the road. And I mention, you know, there was a there was a gas station back there. We probably should have stopped. And he's like, yeah, well, we could turn around, but there's you know there's a sign. I think the next town was Adamsville, and it was like eight miles away. And by his calculations, we had about 12 to 15 miles of gas left in the in the truck. So was, now, like, was this a fairly new vehicle, like one that the onboard telemetry is pretty accurate about what you have left? I would, I would say so. It was a Dodge. Well, I don't know if that's a strike against it, but... Well, I'm assuming he, he got that estimate from his spotter, right, that was radioing down? Was the spotter saying, save, save, save? Yeah. Um, we probably... Well, that, that comes along later. So anyway, we've got eight miles to Adamsville, Texas, and we roll in, and we're like, all right, we made it to this town. We see the Adamsville city limit sign, and then I see a sign up in the distance that says store food gas and i'm like there we go we got like five six miles to spare we're all good just pull in pull in there so we pull off on the shoulder as we get close to this whoa big big sign whoa we pulled off did what on the shoulder yeah okay (laughs) i mean i know you guys are revved up to be on a bachelor weekend but good grief can't even wait till you get there no so we uh we move our vehicle to the side of the road near where this sign that says food and gas is and we notice that all that's looking back at us is some sort of antique store and i'm thinking maybe the huge sign was just part of the antique look so (laughs) oh it was just an antique sign that you could like take to your house that said food and gas yes it said store food and gas but there was how does it look in your backyard (laughs) there was no store there was no food and there was no gas so i get out of the truck and i walk in to ask somebody like where's the nearest gas station or you know where's your gas station in town and this guy looks at me and he goes we don't have a gas station in town the the next gas station is i forgot the town was that we had just driven through and the next town down the road was lampasas and they're both like equally 16 miles away so there's one that's <laughs> not closer than the other and the truck's out running because he didn't want to turn it off because he was afraid if he turned it off he wouldn't be able to get it going again and we have oh, no. what we think is about five or six miles of gas left oh no and he doesn't have a gas can so like if, if we're within walking distance we still i mean at this point we're like we're we're not in a good position and so we start down the road, and then we debate, okay, if we see a house on the side of the road, do we pull off and like go up to the door and see if they've got, you know, like a five-gallon gas can, can of gas they use or for a Or just siphon out of the car that's parked in front. I mean, but of course I'm thinking, desperate times. In that small town, I might start walking up to a front porch, and then a shotgun just starts peering out of the window at me. So <laughs> we're just going to risk it. And trying to go a little slower than normal... Not gas. Not, Turn the AC off. Yeah, exactly. No, the AC was off. And it was kind of funny, but it was also just really tense. And, like, the guy that was driving was, 
he was he had failed smile, but he was kind of sweating, not just because it was hot in there, just because he was real nervous that we were going to run out like eight miles short and have to walk or, you know, just spend the entire day having to get gas. But lo and behold, we managed to get to the city of Lampasas sign. There was a gas station about half a mile into town. And I, th- I think he said he only had like a 20 or 22-gallon tank in this truck. But apparently you can fit 25 gallons of gas in it. Wow. He, he fit 24.65 gallons of gas Wow! in that tank. So what we're thinking is we may have had two to three more miles in us before we were done. Wow. And that's how so we So where was the rest started. of the traveling party? Were you guys not in a caravan? No, there was uh, three or four guys that were traveling from Houston, and then a couple other guys had to show up like later that night, so they drove separately. Oh, wow. So so you were... You were totally, totally by yourself. So if you run, if you run out, you're hitting the road. Then there's no, there's no really other option there. There's no safety valve. No, we were just, we were on our own. There was wow. no, no other option. So if we, if we break down, we were just walking or, you know, trying to find a house or something, but nobody really lives out there. Well, yeah. I mean, if you lived out there, what, what if you needed to get gas? What would you do? Well, that's what we, if you live in Adamsville, Texas, apparently you've got to drive 15 miles one way or the other just to go fill up your car with gas. But I guess you're headed one of those directions anyway, because the only place in Adamsville that you can work is the fake store food and gas station. So what you need to do is put a business plan together for those guys and say, you know what? I've got an idea how you can increase revenue. Golly. Put in a couple of gas pumps right here. Yeah, I'm going to draw a picture of a shell emblem. and be like, you're a millionaire. Congratulations. <laughs> Get your shine box. So uh, we need to write that down as a hypothetical. The uh, hypothetical of you could live wherever you want, but if you ever want to get gas, you always have to drive 15 miles away to get it. <laughs> so just what a beating that would be. So, yeah, the, uh, the weather did not... Uh, did not really shine upon us that that weekend. It kind of limited things that could be done outside, unless the things that you wanted that were on your list to do outside was to have ten guys pile into a hot tub for like three hours, because oh, that was wow. done. So there was a, this place had like this huge hot tub and this heated pool, and uh, yeah. So after playing golf by late Saturday evening, there was just. Ten of us in a hot tub, in a hot tub that was just surrounded by a circle of Coors Light and Miller Light cans. There were beer amids everywhere. <laughs> so I can't, uh, and there's not really that, you know, other like crazy things to report or anything like that. You know, there was no uh, no Baltimore casino incident. No one named Maurice pouring the drinks for us or anything like that. Um we had some very interesting conversations, the vast majority of which I could not and would not share over this. But one thing I noted that was discussed, and I distanced from this ahead of time, but it was uh, we debated via hypothetical how successful like an ultimate fighting championship 
league or organization would be if all the contestants had Down syndrome? I'm. I don't even know who you are. What are we doing? Do you not think that's a realistic idea? No, I'd, and if that's the, if that's the one thing you you took away that you you did want to bring up, I don't even want to think about what else was talked about. I actually agree. I was just sitting back and taking notes for the podcast for the most part. So, but yeah, I'd say from what I remember, that's the only thing I I would like to share. Wow. Well, and and then I believe the subsequent wedding that followed this trip is what pushed us even further back in the uh, proverbial hole for recording the show. Uh, yeah, it did. Cause that occurred this past weekend. So I, I, you have to make sacrifices for, for people for, for occasions like that. So, but Hey, just one week off. It's not our normal four week break of, you know, mid to late 2016. So, yeah, so we're doing. Well, we're getting right. we're getting really close to the one year anniversary of the show. You realize that? Really close. I'm extremely aware of it. I'm working yeah. on it. We've got to do something. We've got to do something cool. I got some ideas. Got some ideas in mind. So, um, let's talk like recent feedback that we've that we've gotten on the podcast. We've had uh, whoever the young gentleman or young uh young lady that runs the ticket egg twitter account has had some observations about about dave while he's while he's recording <laughs> that he's i don't know if i want to say suffers from but he has the condition of what is it laugh and smile talking very very severe condition Is this something you're stricken it, with just all the time? It is a good observation though, because when we're when we're all sitting there together, Dave is pretty much just smiling the entire time. Hey, I have uh, I just have a good time in life, gentlemen. I enjoy things. You enjoy the company of other men. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you enjoy being around. <laughs> I think my words are going to get twisted out of context here. Uh, they might a little bit. What I'm trying to say is you enjoy spending time with us doing the podcast. There you yeah. go. There you go. I think that's the that's the best way. You think we could do the podcast from a hot tub? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think there's there's any issue with that as long as you don't drop your mic in the water. Was that maybe more of an offline question <laughs> to ask? <laughs> Not to get it in. Well, no, in I mean, I, I think recording. that would just be something that you should just type into Google or ask Alexa, you know, hot tub podcast, man. That's a, that's a good idea to have one where you do every episode from a hot tub. If you would just step up to the plate and put a hot tub in the back 40 of that palatial mansion that you live in, I would, I would absolutely do the show from a hot tub on a weekly basis. Okay. Now that is something that is, would the title something to think about would be very appropriate. <laughs> Do you think we would have a, a harder or easier time getting guests to join us on the show? If it was like, Hey, we really want you to be on our podcast, but here's the thing. You're going to have to be in the hot tub. So bring yeah. a swimsuit when you come over or not. They, eh? you know, if that's your thing, 
Well, well, I mean, I guess it's your it would house, be. so yeah. I mean, you make the rules. That's true. That's, if that's how things want to go, you know. You know, what, from what I know about our listeners, I, I think they would probably prefer hot tub. Yeah, but would we have to get in the same hot tub with Dave's dirty dead black leg with that weird spot? Hey, you guys want a, a follow up on my dirty dead leg? <laughs> I think uh, you know. I actually think we need a weekly update, probably from now on. <laughs> I was going to say if. If we had the ability to do drops on this show, that was the first one. <laughs> hey, you guys want to follow up on my dirty dead leg? Oh, I'm sure we can. Uh, I'm sure we can mark the time and just gently insert it into future ep- episodes. <laughs> That's his theme. Yes, Dave. Please give us an update on the leg. <laughs> okay. Well, I, no, it's actually not like a update on the current condition, but I was. Uh, I was skimming through some past episodes and I was listening to the one where I told that story and I realized that one of the the funniest or oddest parts of it that I totally negated. Um, so when they finally did discharge me from the hospital, they come in and they say, hey, you know, whatever the crazy MRSA drugs they were giving me had taken care of the fever and they're like so we're gonna we're gonna discharge you and you know we'll give you some antibiotics and and that that's pretty much how they left it so I'm assuming I'm gonna get a you know a little prescription called into CVS get a nice bottle of pills and be on my way so about 20 minutes after that these two you know I guess nurses, I'm not sure what they were, guys come in and they're like, hey, we're here to put in your uh, pick line. I was like, what's that? And basically, the antibiotics I was having to take, I was having to set up IV bags at my house for the next two weeks because that's the (laughs) only way you can get the antibiotics I needed. And to do that, they had to basically like on the inside of your arm up near your shoulder put in like get in the veins and run a tube up to basically so it's putting the antibiotic directly into your heart and so they like they're like hold real still and they're you know they're threading it in there and then the guy's like he gets it in there he's like by the way he's like don't lift your arm like above like 30 degrees from the side of your uh, your body because that'll like dislodge where where it is. So yeah, oh. two weeks I had to do this like, and I was paranoid that when I was sleeping I was gonna pull it out. Well, mark mark that. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, you're not the only one that's worried about that. But yeah, so pretty good concern. Two weeks afterwards, I would come home from work and then like I had a little rolly IV like pole and put an IV bag up there and sit at home and let this thing drain for two hours a night. But I still have my leg, so it's all good. Did you, uh, did you like get the little wink wink deal and get the Dilaudid bag to go straight into your heart too? No, man, they, they wouldn't give me that, but I had to go, they would only give you like, I think three days at a time. So I had to keep going to the this doctor's office to get it, and he was a infectious disease doctor. 
So basically... This is like the premise of Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, no, like <laughs> you sit in there and there's like, you know, three other guys in there and every like little brochure and pamphlet in the whole office is talking about AIDS and HIV. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, I just have a dirty dead leg. <laughs> They're 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 looking at you as like man, look at this twink. Yeah, no, they're like he looks pretty healthy. Yeah, he's only like stage one. <laughs> exactly. He's, how yeah. much did you ever did you ever get an actual figure on how much weight you lost during this ordeal? Oh yeah, no, I was. Uh, it was. It was over thirty pounds. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. But you still have your leg. But I still have my leg. For now. Man. So, if if you were on an IV, could you do that while you were sitting in the hot tub? Or does that have to be more of a sterile environment? Yeah, it has to, it has to be pretty sterile. Okay. Well, we'll have to keep that in mind if anything, if you get into another soccer injury before uh, Glenn gets the hot tub installed. <laughs> yeah. You're not still playing soccer, are you? Uh, I plan to. The season's not going right now, but oh, okay, man. Maybe, maybe that there's a good idea. You and Tommy can come out and announce the game while podcasting. Announce the game while podcasting. Seems like we're doing more than one thing there. Well, you'd be podcasting and then just occasionally referencing it, like we do whenever there's any sporting event on TV while we're podcasting. <laughs> we'll be just doing the show and then we say oh man there's a bicycle kick <laughs> hey look another mexican is there a so hot you, tub out if there you, <laughs> if you died if you if you go if you come back and die because of a, of another infection do you want me to say at the funeral that you died doing what you loved that that would only be true if I died while recording this podcast. Oh, that's sweet. Or or making a a wager on Raptors Wizards. Yeah, boy, that would actually be it. Like if I was walking away from the sports book at a Mirage after making like a ten team WNBA parlay, and then you just dropped. At this point, I will I will read uh, not Grego tweets, but I will read Point Break Dave texts from earlier tonight, seven forty nine uh, in the PM, effing UC Davis make an effing free throw. <laughs> UC Davis, you have a disease, sir. It's not a. It's you a, not it's be a, betting on that. It's only a problem if you lose. Always remember that. Wow. Speaking of uh, speaking of college basketball, uh, Glenn, how's your bracket looking? Oh man, it's looking uh, really, really strong. I'm looking at a blank sheet of paper <laughs> that will not be filled in because I'm going. So do you, are you not a bracket? Free. Are you not a bracket guy? Um, you know, I've just gotten. I've gone from one extreme to the other. I used to be guy who wanted to put together his own bracket and hope the NCAA would just adopt it because I was so into it to guy who didn't watch a complete college basketball game this season. And I'll watch some of the tournament, but 
I'm not making a point to sit down and watch, you know, game after game after game. So, so you're, I mean, as long as I've known you, your tradition has always been to go to Hooters for the first round. Is that not happening this year? Uh, th- that's not really where uh, the locale that we would typically uh, visit for the first round games. But uh, that was a tradition. Oh, is the, lo- is the locale more more like mountainous? It was at least one to two years. It, for years, it was at a place called Cape Buffalo. I don't know if you remember that place. It was right. off the tollway until yeah. they closed it. I do. But they had a most luxurious like hamburger and hot dog buffet for like all like you'd it would cost whatever you know like ten or fifteen bucks and we would we would show up at eleven o'clock and usually stay until seven or eight at night and just eat hamburgers all day. Wow. So, so I'm guessing that's not happening for you this year though. You're not you're not gonna be doing that tomorrow or Friday? No, that tradition actually kinda died off about 2012, 2013. Had about an eight year oh. run, but that Man. the group that always got together is not has not done that since then. So I'm actually off. Today was my Friday, so I am going to be off both of the uh first days of the tournament. But um one day I think I'm just gonna see what the family wants to go do and then uh friday it's gonna be a little golf yeah i remember what happened when i called you uh, earlier in the week and asked if you wanted to play golf friday and you said no i'm playing with other people thanks yeah. for the invite you were you were too Appreciate late you're about 48 hours too late or i would have been more than happy to say yes well that's okay so i uh i have entered a i've entered a bracket this year but it's not it's not really a bracket. I've entered a, a tournament contest, but it's unlike anyone I've ever heard. I want to tell you about it and see what you think. So, okay. um, so you know, norm, normally, you know, normally you fill out a bracket, and depending on who's running the the show, the they weight the games differently. You know, you get bonus points for making it, you know, deeper runs or whatever. Well, this this one I'm in is a you know mutual friend of uh, Dave and I. Did you do it, Dave? Oh yes. Okay, so I I don't even really know what I just did. So, uh, mutual friend sends this. That's always a good massive group. It's always a good defense. <laughs> no, I really don't know what I just did. <laughs> I really don't. But you know, he sends this sends this uh, you know big big mass email to you know hundreds of people and says, hey, this this guy's running this this uh, tournament contest, and it's not like anyone you've ever been in, and. You know, he's going to send you a spreadsheet with the rules in it, and and you just fill out fill out the spreadsheet and send it back to him, and you know, send him the money, and you're good to go. So, I start reading the rules of this thing, and I'm like, this is really bizarre. So he has all all 64 teams listed in a spreadsheet. Um, for the play-in game teams, he just had you know both teams listed. So you have points one through 64. So you you confidence rank the teams. 64 to 1, with 64 being your most confident team. So, of course, I put Baylor at 64. <laughs> bad, bad decision, Actually, Coach. <laughs> yeah. Would you go ahead and just uh, tear that paper in half? And then in no, half so again. the way that it works is nothing else round. It's agnostic to round or anything. Just every time that team wins, you get that number of points. So if I put Baylor at 64 
and they win six games, then I get 64 points times six. So there's not much of an advantage to picking an underdog correctly unless you like them so much that you give them a ton of power points. And I don't really under even understand what completely optimal strategy is. But uh, the price pool is huge. So, man, I, uh, I've i muddled my way through the spreadsheet and couldn't figure out why my numbers didn't add up and then realized I had number eight in there twice. It was, it was pretty embarrassing. So who um, – I know it wasn't Baylor – so who do you have as let's just say your your top four teams of confidence? Do you have it in front of you? Yeah, what I what I did in in I I I've watched no college basketball this entire year because I hate basketball. I don't like pro basketball. I don't like college basketball. I don't care. So I always pick Duke as my number one team in the bracket. That's just my bit every year. So. I always take Duke as my I, – if I fill out a bracket, I always have Duke winning. If I have this thing, I've given them my 64 points. Um, and then beyond that, what I did is I went and looked at the uh, bookmaking site that I know and trust and love and have for many years and looked at where the public was betting the lines down the most, and that kind of turned me out with uh, – whoa, not turned me out. That's a prison <laughs> term. Uh <laughs> That that left me with uh, so I this really is a bracket <laughs> unlike for, anything you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I ended up with with Duke at sixty four points, North Carolina was sixty three, uh, Kentucky was sixty two, and um, let's see who I had at sixty one. Uh, Villanova was sixty one. Mm, yes, yes, yes. So the way so who's at the, the uh, I was going to say who's at the lower end of the confidence meter. Uh, well, actually, just as a as a bit, because the uh, I I noticed that the uh, guy who r- r- runs this contest is a Baylor alum. I put Baylor as my one point. Okay, that's that's where I was going. Was what's the team that you just put way low as basically which team's going to get turned out real early? Yeah. Well, I figured it's Baylor because I actually really like I like SMU to perhaps make a run this year, and I believe they would come together in the second round. So I figure I'll pop Baylor at one. I've got SMU ranked pretty highly, and that should bounce Baylor out of the tournament. And then my other low teams are just just I mean like Princeton, and uh, let's see who do I have as three points? Uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Mm, yes. Well. Yes. 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 But right. my my basic strategy was just to go with uh, go with Vegas go with Vegas odds that have moved in favor of the team and and um, not worry too much about matchups or worry too much about regions and just try to accumulate points that way. Dave, did you have a strategy? Yeah, I mean, when you were talking about, you found that you had uh, two teams with eight points. The way they said to check was. Once you list out, you know, 64 through 1, it should add up to 2,080. So I just put 2,080 on SMU and left everything else blank. <laughs> just just every game they play. Every game they win. going to get 2,080 points. Every game they win, I'm, I'm cashing big. No, they won't. That's w- funny, but no, I got, a, I got a feeling for the Mustangs this year. 
they wouldn't let you do that. Uh, I think I played it pretty straight. I mean, basically, I think the optimal way to play, given that strategy, is you know you just pretty much stack the big points on the the you know the top seeds, but then also make sure whoever they're playing are your you know your one point and two points, and then the kind of middle games put heavy points on both sides and see where they shake out. I think that's probably a a winning approach. But maybe maybe uh, since I didn't get a chance to watch much Friday Night Lights between the last episodes, maybe we'll have uh, the new weekly segment <laughs> bracket updates. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see if we can get less people to listen to the podcast. I, I got a funny story. I do have a funny story for you guys if we're ready to transition a little bit. I think you'll like this. Yeah, let's get off of uh, how's your bracket talk. Yeah, we'll go back into office space talk for a little bit, but I um this may come as a shock to listeners and to you guys too, but I am actually in a somewhat position of authority with a company that I may or may not work for. Well, okay. Yeah. So, in that position of authority, I actually have the ability to uh hire employees and interview them. Seems like a mistake on the company's part, but go on. Do you well, also Well, I mean, there'll probably be a few harassment claims filed, but oh, man. do you also occasionally fire any employees or are you just on the procurement end of this? Well, I I have not had to fire someone, but yeah, I mean, if I hire someone and things turn south or perhaps I need to scapegoat for something that I've done wrong, yeah, I'd fire somebody. Never done it before though? Have not done it though. No, I've not man. fired anyone. I must not be hiring the right people cuz I've had to fire someone like at least once a year. Wow. No, I've never I've never had to fire someone and and maybe it's because I just put more work uh Glenn into the interview process. You know, I really look for somebody that's going to be a cultural fit. Yeah, what, well, what does we'll that mean? I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll explain so on this, that later. This, but go uh, ahead and tell your story. No, so this job I'm I'm uh I'm hiring for is uh social social media for our uh, our company doing social media so Generic. i think what's what's kind of humorous yeah what's kind of humorous about that is is that i um, i wrote the job description to be a, you had to have at least 5 years of of somewhat relevant work experience so i i did that to avoid getting the people that are right out of school um, applying for this job because you know our we have a fairly notable company that we need somebody at the social media helm. That's not going to, you know, go in there and start taking shots at, uh, art Briles or anything like that, you know, or, uh, fire Charlie strong or anything like that. We just, you know, need somebody that's got a good steady hand on the, on the button at all times. So what, what are the, uh, what comprises relevant experience for social media? Like, I opened a Twitter account in 2010. Well, hold that thought. What I would consider relevant experience is just, you know, general marketing, communications work, journalism work, writing, you know, I'm pretty broad. What what, what I think uh, most people thought is like, hey, I love checking out Facebook. I am qualified for this job. Oh, no. We got inundated with just ridiculous resumes. I think I even sent you guys... uh, Sent you guys some of them. Here's here's one of my favorites. Uh, 
and these are people that we didn't talk to. So, so we, we got hundreds of, you know, hundreds of just bogus resumes, but, um, the, the story that I want to tell you guys actually involves somebody that we ultimately did talk to, but no, this, this one, uh, one particular person, this is on their resume. So gets down to the, uh, to the bottom of the first page and there's a, there's a subhead that says skills and interests. Okay. All right. First, first thing says, I understand the marketing industry and culturally relevant trends. So it's very generic. <laughs> but, you know, it's business speak. So I'm like, okay, well, then the next one says, interests include hosting dinner parties. Oh, no. Tex-Mex, food, floral design, dogs, and traveling. <laughs> so I was thinking, you know... See, sure, anybody can do social media, but what if we have to host a dinner party? Yeah. You know, I mean, this may we may re- this may be a skill set we really need to explore further. Well, I think what happened is you know how people will pull, uh, you know, either from their resume for their LinkedIn profile or vice versa. I think you just got someone that put on their resume from their like Tinder profile. <laughs> That they're really into yeah, Tex-Mex just, food. Yeah, like w- yeah. why in the world would that ever come up in a like a professional interview? Maybe Dave's onto something. We need to Urban Dictionary Tex-Mex food and make sure it doesn't mean something totally different that we we don't know about. All of a sudden, you, you call her back in. We passed on your resume, but after further consideration, I know HR told you that we we you didn't want to talk to you, but we really do. We got. We may need to. We may need to meet. Yeah, off hours. Uh, no. So, so what, what? 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 I found is we got all these resumes of people that like worked at bars and 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 uh, and did stuff, and then they would run the the Facebook page for the bar. You know, so they they were uh, they were a bartender for six years, but they would also occasionally post the you know whatever the weekly special was on Facebook, and now they're applying for this job. I mean, this is like a fairly high paying job. This is not a, uh, this is not a entry level right out of college or right out of the bar thing. One of, one of the bartenders that applied said, um, under skills, it said, uh, managed and poured over 50 different kinds of beer. Huh? What? So, it, so what's the, what's the number where it's like the tipping point? Like, you know, if they did five, like that's, you don't put that on the resume, but like once you get up to what number, does it say like, well, that's actually a really impressive multitasking skill to manage <laughs> it and pour it 50 different kinds. You got to keep track of them. You yeah. know, I mean, you got to know what's what. It's not, it's not like they're labeled on the handles or anything. No, no, that wouldn't make any sense. So, so you, you didn't, the, but these were the bullet points like under bartender. Yeah. Is bartender not self-explanatory <laughs> enough? Well, and I'll tell you what, I'll give that guy credit. At least he put things under a bartender that were relevant to bartending because so many people, and, and you guys I'm sure have seen this, will clearly be working a job that's either a waiter or working in the mall, but they try to write the bullet points to make it fit whatever job you're interviewing for. So, you know, if like they're a waiter, it would be like, you know, juggled multi- juggled multiple initiatives simultaneously to achieve optimal customer results and i'm like no you 
brought people's food out to them. You know, like Chili's doesn't have that job. I'm sorry. Hey, don't undermine. So at least waiters. this guy was honest. He said, "Hey, I was a bartender and I poured fifty different kinds of beer." That's a good point. But this is so a guy you did. I still didn't did interview. Not him. talk to you. Didn't talk to this guy. No. So yesterday was my marathon day. I I did interviews for the for the latter part of the afternoon, and for the most part, my interview style. I don't know what you guys do, but I, I I'm I don't ask any trick questions. I don't ask any. I don't ask them what animal they would be. I don't ask them, you know, if you were a, a brand, what brand would you be? I, I, I just have a conversation with them. Right. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the opposite of, of uh, a douchebag in these things, which is hard for me. Yeah, I think I'm along the, the same lines other than the first question is always, what's your favorite mythical creature? And then the second thing is I take my shirt off. But then <laughs> after that, it's just a normal conversation. Yeah. After you get yeah. through the, no, tell me how badly do you want this job? <laughs> what What would you be willing to do for this job? To really show me that that you're serious about this job? <laughs> On a scale of one to a number that's maybe just less than seventy, how much do you want this job, sir? <laughs> what 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 happened? No. So 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 you know with that. With that kind of groundwork laid, you know, I I I follow the pretty much the same the same uh, formula when I go through it. So I, you know, I, I talk to them, I tell them about the job, I tell them what our expectations are, and then I start going through the resume. Well, tell me what you did at this job, you know, how, how, and you know, may, maybe occasionally, well, tell me about a time when, you know, something didn't work out. You know, how did you how did you get the project back on track? But we just essentially have a conversation. I don't ask trick questions. So then at the end of every interview, I say. You know, when there's about 10 minutes or whatever left in the time, I'll say, okay, uh, what questions do you have for me? And and this is usually a pretty telling time where you can help kind of identify who good candidates are because good ones will ask you questions. And a lot of times they'll ask you questions, you know, about the the culture there, the team there, what you know, what are the benefits like, or you know, something that shows that they're really interested in the job. And if if somebody goes, uh, nope, I don't have any questions, you know, that pretty much tells me that either they're not interested or they're they're so uh, so flat footed they can't even think on their feet to come up with a question to uh, to ask. So so you, you kind of get where I'm going with this. I'm with yeah. you. I'm, I I get the same questions every time. You know, what questions do you have for me? And there, you know, I can guess within you know one or two questions exactly what every single person is going to say. Well, m- midway through the day, I've got a gr- this girl in there. Um, yeah. And uh, get to that part of the question. She goes, oh, good. Well, I have some questions for you. And she pulls out like a typed out sheet of paper with little blanks to write in her responses. And I thought, wow, okay. This is pretty impressive. And, and uh you know, first couple of questions were about the, you know, benefits and the job and what, what would I, I think she, she kind of started to head down a little bit of a weird path, but she said, well, after 90 days on this job, what would you consider, what would, what would, what would this person have to do for you to feel like you made a good hire, you know, after 90 days? And I thought, well, that's kind of a weird question because you can't really say after 90 days, like, well, yeah, you didn't. Yeah, you, know, you didn't. It's a good question. You didn't that, tweet a you know, a, a nude selfie, and and so yeah, well, that that's good, right? It's a good question. The time frame's a little odd, though. 
Right. So he started to get a little odd. Well, then her next question literally, literally is my first one of the show blew me out of my chair. She said, why do you like working here in wow. three words? In three words? Yeah. Tell me why you like working here in three words. So what was your, I mean, the, the first two were private bathroom. What was the third? <laughs> no, you know what I said? And uh, Can I guess? You said get out now. Close. Okay. I, I this this probably sounds a little arrogant. I try not to come off as arrogant, but I said I said, oh no, you don't get to ask questions like that. Fair enough. Yeah, that's a little. I said if you want me to tell you why I like working here, I'm glad to, but I'm not doing it in three words. Yeah, I agree. I was gonna say the the question itself is, I think that's totally legitimate to ask that question, especially if you've had a good interview and a good conversation you know it hasn't sure. been generic interview and dumb trick situational questions but yeah why do you where did she get that why do you like working yeah, here in three words in three words so i mean did you get a did you get a look at the paper like did she have anything well, like not, I mean, not, I didn't. written down already it just like next to that question just said very few minorities and <laughs> wow just had bullet points already filled out he's waiting for me to say the magic words she was setting you up for some sort of lawsuit exactly yeah well i'm needless to say she'll be she'll be getting a call back but it won't be from me it'll be from the hr department letting her know that we really appreciate her time mm. We really appreciate your time in, in six words. She's, Wait, she's that's five words. She's listening to this podcast right now, just punching the dash of her car. Yeah, she's like, I knew that guy was Tommy 2.0. <laughs> it doesn't say that. You yeah. like the little nameplate on your desk. Well, no, it does. And every every person I interview, I, I uh, as prep for the interview the night before, I send them the link to the podcast. I'm like, you know, just familiarize yourself with this. Uh, yeah. A lot of the questions are going to be focused around it. It's like, I, I know you don't want to, but I'm going to need you to watch at least seasons one through three of Friday Night Lights. It's the only way to prep yourself for the for the position. Yeah. If we're, we're, if we're not able to discuss uh, Dylan, Dylan Hyde, then we just really can't, we really can't have a productive conversation tomorrow. So. And they just are like, wow. yeah, I'm about to be foreclosed on, but I don't want this job that much, so... <laughs> And then they just add how great Silicon Valley is instead. Then then they're back yeah, in. There you go. So Tommy, that made me think. Don't you have a story about the uh, a private bathroom that was connected to a conference room? Oh man, is this is this back to Quilt Guy again, or it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't involve? No, quilt actually, man. actually, I uh, <laughs> I used to have an office that it, it, it's hard to explain in a. Uh, without drawing out a floor plan and having the property brothers come in and explain to you how we're going to open it up and put some hardwood floors in. But I used to have an office that had a second door that opened into a little cutout that had a bathroom. Um, but that bathroom was, was behind or attached to the, the main conference room that everybody had their meetings in. Does that make any sense? I mean, is, have I totally lost you here conceptually? I'm with you. 
I can, so basically, I could sl- yeah. I could slip into the conference room while people were having meetings, take a big old dump in the bathroom, and then walk back into my office. Oh, always a good plan. <laughs> okay, okay, it's a sign of power. Anyways, th- this conference room didn't get used a lot, so I had just pretty much made it a habit to slip out of my office, go in there in my private bathroom that n- nobody else nobody else really used it in the whole office because. In order to get there, you'd either have to walk right past my desk, which in my, into my office and past my desk, which nobody would do, or walk through the conference room and around the corner of the conference room. So it was essentially my bathroom. So I would, I would all the time would just slip out of my office, go in there, start playing words with friends, sitting on the pot, you know, lose track of time. Well, one day, uh, I slipped in there to just take a break, and all the uh, senior executives of our company had come into the conference room to start having their meeting. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. And oh yeah. And I'm just in there sitting on the, sitting on the toilet, play words with friends. But what I, what I did that was a mistake was I kind of lost track of time. So I was in there for like a long time. So their meeting had been going on for about 15 minutes. <laughs> and then here I, here I come slipping out of the bathroom, totally unaware that anybody's in there having a meeting. <laughs> You're just sweating and, like, and red right face. When I, right when I will kind of round the corner to go back into my office, like everybody that's sitting at the conference table could see me, right? So I kind of walk to go back in my office, and then I'm, I'm taken aback because there's people in there. Not only is there people in there, like the CEO of our company sitting in there. Wow. <laughs> well, I just went by to, yeah, just take a little uh, take a little time to myself. Oh, man. You so know, you were, yeah, that would be one of... One of my uh, three words of why I love working there was private bathroom. Yeah, and then the third one I'm still struggling to find. <laughs> wow. Well, with that being said, I I uh, I kind of put Dave up to this. So I hope I'm not putting him on the spot. But uh, when we were throwing the weights around this week at the gym, hey now, you know, like we do. Actually, before we go there, Dave, di- don't you have a uh, another mysterious injury you need to disclose to the podcast? This one's—I don't know if it's mysterious, but I—I uh, I messed up because because I was I was deadlifting by myself today, and I believe the last time we were together, I was getting kicked in the nuts for making you deadlift by yourself, and then lo and behold, this morning, Point Break Dave not participating in the deadlift. Well, the difference was I didn't hurt myself by not being able to run around a base at softball but no i uh i messed up my uh apparently because i got the perks of having a wife that are is a physical therapist is you get free treatment when you need it treatment in quotes (laughs) yes as it were the downside is paying for a doctorate degree but the plus side is free treatment for life (laughs) but uh as much as you get hurt i'm feeling like this is probably gonna pay it pay for itself pretty quickly yeah i think i'm gonna i think it's gonna be a roi positive at the end but no i uh a few weeks ago and i think we touched on it it was our first softball game in like four months and didn't really warm up or anything. Just got out there and started tossing the ball around. And I messed something up in my shoulder. Apparently, according to my physical therapist's wife, it's a strained 
like where your bicep t- attaches at your shoulder is what I messed up. So, but that's a little injury I'm recovering from. But what Tommy was getting into is, and I think you both know this, I've, which is probably wrong, but I've long been someone who makes fun of CrossFit. And it's probably wrong because I've never been to a CrossFit, so I really don't know what I'm what I'm talking about. But, but I think it's fair to say that you don't hate CrossFit; you just hate people that do CrossFit. That's that's yeah. probably a better that's probably a better uh, better description of the uh, the feeling. And I think that's fair because you know they're all their burpees and their rollerblades and their Michelob Ultra. It's all worth laughing at. So you're it's like in a the, safe space. It's like the joke goes, somewhere right now, there's someone who does CrossFit and is also a vegetarian, and they have no idea what to tell people first. That's okay. That, I follow that's, you. That's kind of how those people are. But um, the co-owner of the company I work for in the last few years has gotten way into CrossFit. And boy, he he posts about his workout of the day. Uh yes, he does. He also um he he doesn't live here locally. He lives in a another state in a small ski resort community cuz things are going very well for him. I bet he but, has a hot tub. Oh, I'm oh, he does. And, uh, but they opened a CrossFit gym in this little town, but apparently it wasn't up to his standards. So he has basically been like funding to like remodel it. That's just, just out of, out of the goodness of his own heart. I'm sure he's getting a piece of it, but I mean, that's just how into CrossFit he is. So, uh, when he comes and stays a few days at here in the Metroplex to be at our office. He, you know, there's some gym nearby that he goes and does his CrossFit workouts at. And for months now, he's been bugging me to go with him. And next week, it's finally happening. So I think I will have some good, uh, good content for the next episode. So what's your what's your confidence level going in though? Do you think you're gonna just get your butt kicked in there, or do you think you're gonna show show them what's up? That's that's my question. Honestly, I think I'm gonna do terrible at it because the workouts Tommy and I have been doing are the exact opposite of CrossFit. I mean, we don't do. There's no. Oh, you mean we use use good form? <laughs> we use good form. Uh, great point. But I mean, there's no. There's no high rep or cardio aspect of the workouts we're doing i mean you do you know if you can get more than six reps you need to be doing more weight and a lot of rest time in between that's that's what we're doing and from the little bit i know about crossfit it's the exact opposite but here's what's i can't wait to hear the the payback of the or the the payoff of this story though i i i'm predicting that that Point Break Dave is vomiting in a corner within 15 minutes. Well, here's what, and it gets back to the form thing. Here's what I think is going to be the big problem is uh, last time he was in town, he was telling me about his workout. And he's like, yeah, you know, you got to do 
you know, whatever, 50 lunges and then this. And then he's like, and then you got to do uh, 25 pull-ups and then right into it. And I was like, I was like, whoa, whoa, you can do 25 pull-ups like in succession? And he was like, yeah. And not to pat my own self on the back, but I feel like I can do a decent number of pull-ups, but it's in the single digits. And yeah, this guy's claiming who from a fitness wise standpoint is not as fit as I am is claiming he can do 25 and I'm like asking him to explain how he does it. And it's all like that. He's like, well, you got to swing and then you kind of throw your feet up. And I mean, it, it sounds like it's going to be a complete joke, but I think they count on you having their crazy CrossFit form to actually be able to do the rep count they want. And I don't, I've never done that and I don't plan on it because I don't want to. So you're not going to sell out to the form, huh? No, I'm going to do the six normal pull-ups and then be like, nope, that's it. Sorry. Yeah, those swing pull-ups, they don't pass the, wouldn't pass the marine smell test that they use to defeat ISIS. <laughs> when you go to Those the momentum swing pull-ups no the, no 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 the state fair that's not gonna fly no not no. at all you pull yeah no, you, let that go at the state fair but yeah, tell me you, you that that's your routine they're gonna kick that right back at you yeah well tell me this uh glenn and tommy as people that frequent the gym I, one of the other things he was telling me was he's like yeah we were doing a workout and it was a it was a partner workout. I was like, <laughs> so of course I'm thinking donkey calf raises, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, he's like, well, you, you and your partner have to do, and it was like the same thing. You have to do, you know, 50 pull-ups and, you know, a hundred, you know, whatever burpees or squats or whatever in a certain amount of time. And I was like, okay, so how does that work? He's like, well, the buddy I'm with, he's real good at pull-ups, so he just did all the pull-ups, and he's not good at burpees, so I did all the burpees. I'm like, isn't that the exact opposite of what you want to do when you're trying to work out? Like, right. shouldn't you want to build up at what you're not good at? So you guys realize that CrossFit is just fitness Scientology, right? <laughs> I, I completely agree. That's what agree. you're headed into. Oh, I can't wait to hear about We're this. Be so yeah, we'll tease that ahead for episode, I guess episode 38 or 39, whenever, whenever this takes place. Go, going clear at CrossFit will be the title. <laughs> oh. Oh, all right, Glenn, we're getting, we're getting short on time, but don't we have some emails to go through before we get out of here? Yeah, let me get to the, uh, let me get to the email. Uh, we got one on from one of your two phones. Yeah, I'm pulling out. I'm pulling out phone number two for the email portion of the uh, of the episode. So we got an email from Gustav. All right, and interesting topic here. So it says greetings, thought leaders of the community. This question is: What is the pants situation at home? Do you keep your day pants on when you get home until bedtime, or do you change or strip down to your drawers? And walk and walk around the house making a gun shape with your hand, and, <laughs> and and farting at your kids or your blind dogs. Tell the truth, Gustav. 
So, uh, Tommy, do you want to start? Question. You go ahead. You want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. So, what was uh, what was Marty McFly's brother's name in Back to the Future, Dave? Oh, uh, boy, I don't remember the one that works at McDonald's. Yeah. So when when Marty when Marty comes back from the future at the end of episode one and the his brother's walking out in a suit and he says, "What is this?" and he says. I always wear a suit to the office. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I have to do. So when I get home from work, I usually walk straight back to my closet and take off the pants I wore to work and put on shorts or sweatpants immediately. Oh, If, if I'm at home and the pants I wore to work are on for longer than five minutes, something's gone horribly wrong. So you're wearing like full dress business. Yeah, oh, wow. I okay. I don't get to wear jeans. I'm, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing suit suit pants well and they do not they do not stay on for a split second longer than they have to uh my work Dave, is, what about you is much more casual like i wear jeans i've never worn anything other than jeans um mark yeah <laughs> and we'll wear you know usually like a kind of nicer golf type shirt but I'll throw on a t-shirt and go to work occasionally. So it's not that big a deal, but I usually do change into like just gym shorts when I get home. But I'll tell you this, I think it's a, uh, I feel like it's a, a generational thing because when my father-in-law comes to visit, they w- he gets up like when he first steps out of the guest room to come in for breakfast He's fully dressed, like jeans, tucked in shirt, belt. But this is like when he comes out. Then he'll come out and have breakfast and then say, I'm going to get a shower and get dressed for the day. But he comes out like full button down, tucked in with a belt. My mind is blown right now. (laughs) That's 100% the honest truth. Wow. (laughs) We need what? to have him on. We need to have him in the hot tub. I think I... Uh, he might wear jeans. <laughs> echo both of you guys as far as uh, what I do when I get home. I'm. It's more business casual attire at work, so jeans are okay, but I'm also in a position of leadership, so I feel like uh, I probably shouldn't be throwing down the jeans vibe like too often, maybe just one or two times a week. Um, but yeah, like when I walk in the door, like as I'm walking back to our bedroom, I'm already getting all the business off of me and we're getting ready to put on the, uh, the basketball shorts and the random, you know, t-shirt or undershirt or whatever in my, in my younger days, I used to be, and this is kind of, I don't know if this is douchey CrossFit guy. I used to be shirt off all the time guy at home. Like it oh, was wow. just wow. it was it was just basketball shorts and basically that's it like year round. So you would show up at my house unexpectedly like in December and I'd answer the door and I'd have like just gym shorts and like a knit hat on to keep me warm when it's 20 degrees outside. So but I as time went by I got away from that. So be the douchiest thing I've ever. I was heard. gonna say, like, I know. At some point, you decided not to just emulate Bam Margera all the time. 
you know, that's a great reference. And maybe subconsciously that was the, uh, that was the inspiration, but I'm telling you from, from, you know, the, the entire, the entirety of my twenties, that was probably where I was at. And then once I got into my thirties, I think I was like, you know what? I think we can just slide a t-shirt on and that's going to be okay. But yeah, the, the the business clothing does not does not stay on. I'm very much of the mindset of when I leave the office, I completely shut off from that world 99.9% of the time. So when I get home and I have these clothes on that feel so foreign to me, <laughs> I've got to get into just some basketball shorts and and just a you know a regular shirt for for around the house. So uh, the other thing, just real quick, that Gustav sent us, he sent something to us while we were during our bye week. And I'm not gonna read it word for word, but uh, basically it was just a question or maybe a theory that the reason that we took a week off was because one of us was <laughs> was suffering from either an unexpected or a faked erection that lasted more than four hours just to send one of us just to send one of us to the hospital so the others could visit him and keep an eye out for the for the nurses and the tight scrubs <laughs> at the place where dave had his uh treatment for his dirty dead leg now um man i was i was by that place today i was within probably 60 seconds of that place today and the thought did cross my mind let me tell you, if one of you guys are willing to take one for the team as far as the uh, the the problem address, uh, you know, uh, referenced here, I am more than happy to to show up and visit you at the at the hospital to uh, see that nurse again. You guys think about that. Think about that over the next week, and we'll see if we can hook that up, and then we'll do the podcast from like room two thirty nine. And we'll see if we can bring in some sort of heated water (laughs) container. There you go. It comes around full circle. Yeah, that we can stand or sit in while we while we record. (laughs) 